Welcome to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Over the next hour, you'll discover unique ideas and perspectives about how to improve your health and the planet as well. Now, here are your hosts, Jimena and Lorenzo. Welcome, hello, and bienvenidos. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy Planet, Healthy You. I am Lorenzo Rosenzweig, and I have more than 40 years of my life devoted to the natural world and its conservation. I am also a writer, a photographer, a watercolor painter, an amateur naturalist, and the grandfather of six, next December 7. My professional training as an engineer and marine biologist has fostered a deep interest in marine conservation, hydrology, and all forms of life. Of course, I have favorites, probably fish, oak trees, agave, and cacti. And maybe after this episode, bats as well. <laughs> I love trees. Bienvenidos. Hello. Happy Wednesday. So excited to be here with you. My name is Jimena Yañez. I am an author, a health coach, and a Reiki and biomagnetism therapist. I am the mom of two young ladies, and after 23 years in the field of conservation and more than 10 years studying integrative health and nutrition, I've understand, understood that with if we want to be healthy, we need to start by taking care of this planet we call home. What is good and new for you, Lorenzo? Well, Jimena, I had a great week, but the best part was last Saturday when I had a chance to spend the day in the mountains, mountains that are more than 7,000 feet high, photographing mm -hmm. beautiful hummingbirds and amazing reptiles, including the horned lizard, sort of like a mighty dinosaur. During the outing, had also the privilege of watching a rainstorm that brought us a very needed one to two inches of rain. And of course, the heat wave has eased its grip thanks to the summer rains. And now we have the normal 95 degrees Fahrenheit, almost 25 <laughs> degrees cooler than last week's temperature. Well, wow. now I'm sounding like a, a weather guy. <laughs> What's, what's new for you, Jimena? <laughs> yeah, you have been uh, with high temperatures in, in Monterrey. Yes, I'm good. Thank you. I had the opportunity to visit an organic farm in the mountains in Costa Rica with wonderful people that made us feel at home. We ate food that grows in that soil and went for a rugged hike in a steep terrain. I felt I was swallowed by those beautiful mountains. The drive there and back took my breath away. So just remembering the experience makes me smile. Thank you for asking, Lorenzo. Every week, we engage in casual conversations to help you understand what is really going on, considering there is a lot of conflicting information on the news and social media. Information has become overly confusing because as one research states a conclusion, another one contradicts it immediately. The amount and the diversity of information we're exposed to keep us on a roller coaster of inconsistencies. What was good for a, for a few years ago isn't anymore and vice versa. We want you to exercise your right to decide for yourself. So we offer facts that you can double check later on your own. So allow us to tell you the story of how we got into the current environmental and health crisis. What are the odds if we fail to act during the next seven to 10 years? And what are the things you can do for your personal benefit and at the same time to support global efforts towards a healthy planet? 
In previous episodes, we have been sharing data and information about what is really happening in the world, how it affects our mental and physical health, as well as the things you can do to be part of the solution. Our intention is to keep building up so you don't get just information, but knowledge. In this episode, we will talk about the benefits of being in contact with and feeling part of nature, as well as some of the good things that nature does for us. Yes, nice, Jimena. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how and why our lives have become so fast-paced and centered about in, around immediate satisfaction that we have ignored the natural world and its impact on our well-being. Even though civilizations have been always urbanizing and making some part of their lives indoors, in the past three decades, large groups of people moved out from rural areas and distanced from the sources of food, water, energy, and material goods. Our lives have become more comfortable indoors, so it's easy to become satisfied and forget the beauty and benefits of the natural world. Nowadays, most people really take the time to appreciate nature. Yes, and also development, poor urban planning, and the disappearance of green and open spaces for sports and leisure have also diminished our contact with nature. Our mindset became growth and progress that we overlooked the importance of our relationship with the natural environment. We're always busy with work and social obligations, and of course, we have become more likely to pursue material possessions easily and quickly. Our increasing disconnection from nature has had some detrimental consequences on human behavior. There's a new array of psychological disorders like nature deficit disorder, extinction of experience, distance from nature, and biophobia, which make us feel separated from the natural world and the therapeutic and stimulating benefits that nature provides. The effects of these disorders have been linked to what healthcare experts call the epidemic of inactivity with physical, mental, and emotional consequences like diminished senses, attention difficulties, overweight and obesity, higher rates of emotional and physical illnesses, increased stress levels, weakened sense of connection, and of course, anger. Disconnection from nature is also associated with higher levels of loneliness. And researchers agree that we're in the middle of a loneliness epidemic. Oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. A loneliness epidemic. Yes. Our bonding with nature nurtures us in every possible way. We have never been so in need of a healthy planet to ensure our own well-being and prosperity. Think about the population growth over the next decades. We will need to double our supply of food, water, and energy. And we can only be healthy if our natural elements and ecosystems are healthy and in harmony with the population growth. Yes, you're right. And it's true that we cannot stay healthy without clean air, fresh water, healthy soils, nutritious and safe foods, and other resources provided by nature that are known as ecosystem services. But I think we should understand the word nature. Typically, nature refers to physical features and processes of non-human origin that we can perceive like plants, trees, animals, soil, water in its three stages, quality of air, weather, and landscapes. As such, nature overlaps substantially with the concept of natural environment, 
which means an environment with little or no apparent evidence of human presence or intervention. Last week, we had Alexa Firmenich join us and she talked about nature in a very spiritual and groundbreaking way. She sees nature as relationships and processes rather than separate part or parts distant from us humans. Nature is then all those invisible parts that connect everything and keep the world moving. It is a complex thing that requires a complex mind to understand it. One way to try to understand its sophistication is to appreciate the world from different perspectives. How does an ant perceive the world? How does a river notice its surroundings? We usually see nature as something outside of us because we forgot or actually we, we don't want to see that we are animals too and we're connected to everything. This means that all of us belong to nature and because of that, nature is sacred. So in case you feel disconnected from nature, the first thing you must do to restore your connection is to feel like you're part of it. Yes, nature heals. There is a new field in psychology called environmental psychology that emerged as a result of the research by an author, his name Prochansky, on person-place interactions in the 70s. The Journal of Environmental Psychology defines it as the scientific study of the interrelationships between people and their physical surroundings. And by surroundings, it doesn't only mean the natural environment. It includes built environments like urban architecture or urban nature, and also the use and abuse of nature and natural resources and sustainably related behavior. Urban nature means the presence of nature, even in those environments that some people consider the antithesis of natural environments. So environmental psychology seeks to understand how and why our environment impacts us, how we can leverage that knowledge to our advantage, and what we can do to improve our relationship with the world around us. Yeah, and even though this field of psychology is relatively new, the effects of nature on humans are as old of humanity itself. And just for fun, let me tell you an amusing story that, of course, can be understood in different ways. It is said that in the late uh, 1200s, Marco Polo was traveling through the kingdoms of West Asia, noting that the people of Kerman in Iran were go good, humble, helpful, and peaceable, as opposed to their immediate neighbors in Persia, who were wicked, disloyal and murderous. <laughs> so the king of Kerman asked his wise advisors the reason for this disparity in behavior. The wise men came with an answer. The cause lay in the soil. The king ordered soil to be brought from a place where its inhabitants surpass all other wickedness <laughs> and order his servants to sprinkle it on the floors of his feasting hall and then cover it up with rocks. The story goes that as the coming banquet started, the king's guests began offending and wounding one another mortally. Seeing this unprecedented behavior among his guests, the king declared that indeed the answer laid in the soil. So Lorenzo, I don't know if this story is true. What I know, and, and I never get tired of saying this, is that everything starts with the soil. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a it's a let's say it's a fantastic story that has evolved, but there's always um, something 
very important about the soil that determines cultures, our well-being, and how we behave and act. So, of course, all natural elements affect us. The most important question we should be asking ourselves is how does our environment affect us? And of course, a derivative question should be how do we affect ourselves by affecting our environment? That's the important part. Yes, environmental, psych <laughs> environmental psychology is about understanding how and why we act the way we do in our environment. And there lies the answer to our health and well-being. Because when we understand the how and why, we gain the knowledge to make the needed changes in our behavior. Yeah, and it's so important to understand everything to be able to change. And it's not just in psychology. Links between human well-being and environmental factors are also growing interest in health, conservation, economics, and other fields of studies like digital technologies and artificial intelligence. Some interesting apps are being used to find the correlation between wellness and environmental conditions. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about disconnection in the communications age. Uh, and Roxy Chavez Elorriaga, our guest, talked about how technology can help us to get closer to nature, but also to understand its benefits. Very recently, some researchers in the UK conducted a unique study to explore the relationship between something called momentary subjective well-being and the immediate environment. The tool was a smartphone app. It's called the Mappiness app. And that app signaled par participants at random moments to answer a brief, brief questionnaire while using a satellite positioning uh, GPS to determine geographical coordinates. The study collected over 1 million responses from more than 20,000 participants, founding that on average, participants were significantly and substantially happier outdoors in green or natural habitats than they were in urban environments. Yes, I, I remember that study. I read it in the book, The Nature Fix. And, and, and one of the conclusions was that uh, coastal environments or being close to the sea was one of the evident places where people would have this momentary or this, this happy moment or where they were feeling particularly well. The result of this study strengthened existing evidence of the positive relationship between well-being and exposure to nature or natural environments. And I believe that aligning with human rights and the rights of nature and novel geolocated experience sampling methodology like this can provide insights and feedback to policymakers. These real-time tools can help measure the effects of environmental interventions, such as cleanups of contaminated sites, the introduction of a conservation program or a green area for certain communities, or even starting outdoor exercise programs. And they can also quantify and assess a range of individuals' momentary well-being during environmental disasters like floods and forest fires. Yes, you're right. And I would like to add that our attraction towards nature is deeply rooted in evolution. It's not that we need it, we desire for it. Uh, we desire it. For example, my husband always asks to book accommodations with a great view. And of course, of course, it is well known that patients who get a natural view from their hospital bed recover sooner than the ones that don't. Lorenzo, tell me if this is true for you too, because it is for me. Whenever I'm stressed, I crave 
to walk in a natural setting, preferably surrounded by trees that make a beautiful color contrast with the blue sky. And actually I feel empowered when I'm close to nature, my mind clears, I feel calmer, and somehow I feel connected to something bigger than myself. Yeah, it happens to me. I am far from the ocean where I live, but I have the mountains close by less than one hour and a half drive. So so whenever I feel like that, I just go to the mountains. Yeah. And I bet it happens to everyone else. Nothing is more soothing than taking a walk on the sand, barefoot, of course, along the shoreline in a tropical place as the sun is setting. And this happens because staying close to nature improves physical mental and spiritual health and well-being you feel connected to something bigger because being in contact with nature makes us feel alive yes you're right i'm going to the beach next week and i can't wait to take a stroll at sunset it's just incredible how just the idea makes me crave it you just said it <laughs> we desire and crave it and it's understandable for example walks in nature benefit people suffering from depression this activity significantly uplifts our mood, builds attention and focus, and makes us feel more motivated and energized to recover from any condition and get back to our normal activities. Mm -hmm. Another example is the immense boost you will have just by being near the ocean. In the last segment of this episode, I will talk a bit about the effect that being immersed in water has on my creativity. Yeah, I'll... I'm looking forward for that. And as we walk in nature, we also have to breathe. Uh, it has been proved that breathing in nature gives us wholesome sensory awareness. You just mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, some new consequences in human behavior due to our disconnection with nature. There are two more I'd like to recall, sensory anesthesia, which refers to becoming disconnected from the feedback from nature through our five senses. And the other one is place blindness, which describes the way people are losing their relationships with the land they inhabit and the living things that move upon it. Spending time outdoors make, makes us feel mindful of what we see, what we hear, what we smell, and how we feel, allowing us to overcome the symptoms of these <laughs> behavioral disorders. Also, a study of the University of Kansas found that spending more time outdoors and less time with our electronic devices can increase our problem-solving skills and improve our creative capabilities. Yes, and, and what you're saying aligns with what we know is the art of being bored. As it turns out, when we experience the right type of boredom, we can improve productivity. We, we are approaching our first recess, Jimena, uh, when we come back, we will talk with Begonia Iñárritu about the benefits of being in contact with nature. Please stay tuned. See you in a while. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? 
Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. This episode is all about the health and wellness benefits of being in contact with nature. Our guest today is Begoña Iñarritu. She's a young Mexican biologist with experience in protected areas and the deep knowledge about bats. I just love that. She's also very fond of marine environments and a talented writer. We are very happy to have you here with us, Begoña. Welcome, Begoña. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So, Begoña, we start. We, we want to do a few questions to you. And, 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 and the, the, the question we do with the people we interview, the first one is always this. Can you share with us what was the event in your life that motivated you to appreciate the natural world the way you do? Uh, yes, of course. I, I wish it was a, an, a specific moment more appealing than just as simple as to have a happy childhood surrounded by, by na- na- nature and playing with, with a compass, running with dogs, looking, and looking for ants, watching birds. I mean, I think in those small um, moments that construct our past is where we now uh, appreciate the, the natural world. So you say it was a collection of small moments that we're building on this on this love that you have for nature. And and, and tell us specifically about bats. Ah, bats um, uh, still my heart 10 years ago, almost. And I, I really, really remember clearly the, the first time I, I saw a bat near me and I hold the bat. It was so... Um, smooth and tiny and everything and I realized that how important it is to have near you and to hold things uh, besides the all the imagination and all the ideas you can have about that uh, living being so that uh, represents all these um, interpretation for me uh, from nature. Yes, and and you were saying that you wish you had something more like specific, but I think you had something very important because we were talking about this uh, two weeks ago. Um, kids are they are not in contact with nature anymore. They are always playing with their gadgets and everything. Uh, their their 
electronic devices. So you were very lucky to have a childhood like that because I think we're losing that. And just being in contact, it doesn't have to be like a specific moment, but that was just amazing. So you have experience in promoting recreation, culture, and leisure activities in parks. Um, your experience, what are the benefits in being of being in contact with nature? And what, the, what are the services that natural parks offer to people? Can you tell us a, a little bit more about that? Sure, thank you. Um, many of these benefits you you name a bunch but uh, i consider important all these um, mental health uh, benefits from from parks and natural parks um, i consider the most important and well what i have seen in people visiting parks it's oh i mean people go to nature and they they see them, themselves in vast mysteries that things we cannot understand with the knowledge we have. So mm -hmm. all this wonder, all this curiosity, motivation, like start working on the mind, and these deep human characteristics start like working when you are uh, going uh, in nature. Um, Another uh, benefits that, that I consider in nature that it is not um, as usual as uh, previously, I think, is that when, when you see something scary or a force of nature, I mean, the, this force makes you feel alive. I mean, when you um, uh, have the experience of a, a terrorific um, storm like an electric storm or uh, something on the ocean all these um, scary scenarios that nature gave us also makes makes us understand and respect nature and uh, from the services we, we can have from parks um, they are not as big as all these ecosystem um, benefits we have from natural areas, big, huge. But uh, if we are uh, creative enough, we can have urban parks and, and architectural parks um, mm -hmm. based on natural solutions. So we can inspire people um, and to. Um, give the, the message in another way more than only to be in nature but to go to an urban park and uh, understand not understand science to appreciate science to um, celebrate that this is part of part of the construction of a park uh, we have the experience of uh, renewing a park in an urban area uh, in Toluca in Mexico mm -hmm where uh, we start uh, like rewilding. I mean, we, we stop yeah. some, um, some activities like uh, no, like letting the grass grow, like no, no watering the, par the plants. And did this uh, motivates the people to appreciate more diversity, more um, inhabitants in the park. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I like to think Begonia in, in parks, natural uh, protected areas and parks and urban parks, sort of like a ambassadors of nature because because it's like a like a way to gradually introduce uh, human beings um, into nature without the shock of being just left in the middle of the wilderness and 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 and, 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 and worrying about your survival. So I think I think it's a very nice uh, like a like a like a staircase into into nature. And we if we do them right, then people can choose the level of wilderness they want to enjoy feeling safe all the time so mm -hmm. this 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 takes me to the next question for you begonia how how would you define as a as a conservationist as a as a park expert how would you define a healthy coexistence with nature and how can we achieve the greatest level of coexistence with our natural surroundings give me your mm -hmm. thoughts on that that's a good one um uh, to live in integrity with our environment and to aspire as a humans to, to plenitude in our life, in our existence. But also, I, I think that a healthy coexistence with nature depends of we get rid of, try to, like, um, get, get rid of, uh, get rid of this desire to possess or collect mo unique moments of nature, particularly particularly with animals. I think coexistence exists without us having or seeing or being next to the animals. We have to uh, appreciate with the knowledge we have that they they exist. We, we share this evolutionary time with them, but we we should get rid of this uh, obsession to collect moments with them because in this um, communication era, as, we, as you uh, talk in another episode, we are uh, like um, stalking uh, all the animals. So <laughs> we have to let them be, appreciate them, and to celebrate that we, um, all these coincidences in the evolutionary time that we're sharing with them, that all these uh, genetic um, combination exist at the same time with us. Uh, I think that's a, a healthy co coexistence, not not in a space with them. Yeah, interesting what you say, collecting experiences and moments with them, like stop doing that, like just yeah. be instead of collecting yeah, yeah. interesting but but, 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 I, but i guess that doesn't apply to to photography if you do photography <laughs> right and you are not invasive you let them do what they are doing and just capture them so but i would yeah, be you appreciate them yeah i, I would be so some people put themselves into danger because of wanting to to collect those those moments there was a there was a case recently here around where we live of a black bear that became very familiar with people. So he would just um, approach uh, uh, hikers and, and get too close to comfort. And one of the hikers, um, this young lady, decided it was time for a selfie. So she took herself a selfie with the bear standing behind, be, be, oh behind her. And of course, that generated a lot of, 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 uh, of uh, 
problems here. Finally, that bear had to be transferred to a wilderness area because he had become too comfortable with humans. But part of the problem was this lady figuring out that it was a moment to have a selfie. Anyhow, <laughs> that was that's my take on that. Yeah. So, well, very interesting. There are also new innovative ways to help people to get in contact with nature so they can have not the moments, not to collect the moments, but to have the healthy coexistence with nature. One is known as a science park or in Spanish, Parques de la Ciencia. What is a park, uh, a science park, a Parque de la Ciencia, and how is it this innov innovative concept bringing people and nature together? Yeah, it, this is a governmental program that started uh, some couple of years ago. And this program <clears throat> tries to um, to have a, another life in to intervene in places that were abandoned, that they were already public public spaces, but they were like abandoned or were too old. And um, each of of these um, science park, we have. Um, Five in the state of Mexico, they have a different um, topic. Each one, once uh, it has to be with a focal uh, pendulum, mm -hmm. uh, another with DNA, another has a planetary. So it it not it doesn't um, it, it not it's not always about nature, but about science. And the one that I was told. Uh, talking to you like uh, minutes ago about the rewilding spaces, it's another science park that we will build on uh, uh, working on different niches of the of a lagoon, so we can uh, receive a, a more diversity of migratory birds mm -hmm. because it's a it was a wetland back then. And uh, so this is a program where people can uh, can use, can appreciate, can participate in science, and they are going very good in this program. Interesting, uh, Begoña. Now that you are explaining that, I recall one of my <clears throat> my greatest experience that have to do with the park, with science parks, and with this concept of 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 having this understanding of the world through the eyes of other other human or other or the living things is that when i visited the kill gardens botanical garden they have this amazing place called the beehive which is a quite a large structure uh, and if you get into the beehive inside because you can walk in it's like a, made of steel and and and, 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 and pipes and um, they have this um sound system that replicates what a bee would be hearing when she gets into the beehive and it was an amazing feeling it sort of recharged you of energy and, and just just for a second you feel you felt what a bee would feel at home so i think those uh, of course that was a sophisticated and expensive intervention but there's many other easier cheaper interventions that can can approach can get us closer to nature. Um, okay. um, Begoña, you participated in the National Geographic series Perpetual Planet, where you talk about some success stories and your personal story. Can you share with us a bit more about that? 
yeah, it was a, a great experience. We went, uh, we were looking for carnivorous bats. There are uh, some carnivorous bats in nature. These are, they eat frogs, uh, birds, and other bat species. And we were looking for these uh, carnivorous bats. So uh, to tell the story of these um, animals in the Mayan Peninsula, because also uh, there are families of these bats that live on Mayan temples. So um, like this continuity, it was previous to the um, to some projects that are going on now in the peninsula. So uh, it was a great experience to work with carnivorous bats and National Geographic. Yeah, I, I they they are if, if I recall well, it's called Vampirum Spectrum, and and, and yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> the biggest bat in America. Yeah, it's an amazing bat, and and um, I have the the privilege of having a picture given by a bat expert of one of those flying with a bird in its mouth. So it's an amazing bat. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and bats have a very bad reputation amongst many people around the world. So. How would you say, how do these animals contribute to human's health and well-being? And what is the most important thing people need to know to change our perception regarding these misunderstood animals? Yeah, but bats uh, have a lot of uh, ecosystem services. So they give us a lot of uh, ecosystem services, plenty of them. We are not aware of them. Uh, because they are working in the night, that's uh, what they do. Uh, they are great pollin uh, pollinization. They may see dispersal of in tropical areas mainly, and they um, help us with pest control. All these uh, pests that affect our crops in um, corn, tomato, um, rice, all these um, mainly uh, ingredients in our diet, bats are related to them um, and with us at the end. And um, I think bat perception is a wide topic. Consider, I consider all began with this Jewish Christian culture where bats, wings were represented and ligated to, to evil and to the devil and to the dark things. And the bird wings were associated to good things and a, yeah. a moral uh, tendency. So it, it's very weird, the perception, but um, that comes, after that comes to relate these animals to dirty things, to unhealthy uh, uh, areas. So. The only thing is that they are inhabitants of the night and all, all they do is fed mostly on insects. Um, they are not uh, disease transmitters as people think. Uh, they, like all the diseases people think they are only, um, they have like 4% of these uh, diseases. So it, it is very complex, yeah. It Interesting, Begonia. I love the metaphor of, of bad wings and bird wings, bad and good. So what gives you hope? This is our last question. What okay. gives you hope? Give me a very brief answer. Okay. Um, I really don't feel hope. I don't mean that I don't have it. 
uh, uh, it's because I don't represent myself in an unhopeful, unhopeful world. Saying that, I consider myself nostalgic, not unhopeful, yeah. un unhopeful uh, person. So I live for this remembrance of the natural world, those explorations, those naming things, those descriptions, those field trips without fear, without like uh, all the fear when we as biologists go to nature and fear many things. So I think not hope, but my driving force is nostalgia of all that things that I want to come back and live again. I feel that too. So it's time to go for our next break. Thank you, Begonia. When we return, we will Thank talk you. about the things you can do to take action now. So your everyday choices will lead you to optimal health and also aligned with global environmental efforts. Stay tuned. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. If you're tuning in, we have been talking about the benefits of connecting with nature. In the first segment, we talk about how nature has the power to uplift our mood and health physical and heal physical and mental conditions. During the second segment, Pecoña Inarritu shared with us some great innovative alternatives to stay close to and better understand nature like science parks. As Begonia explained, contact with nature is essential for human physical, emotional and spiritual health and well-being. Think about this. Over the last decades, there has been a global increase in non-communicable diseases such as heart diseases, cancer, chronic respiratory diseases, and diabetes. The risk of non-communicable diseases is linked to many factors, including diet and physical inactivity. As we explained a couple of weeks ago, also urbanization and digital technologies have brought many benefits to communities and societies, They are also progressively disallowing people opportunities for the physical, mental, and spiritual health benefits from nature or uh, green spaces. We're growing apart from the sights, smells, and sounds of nature that have very important physiological impacts. Yeah, and when you're exposed to natural environments, you're also exposed to chemicals and biological agents like phytochemicals and phytoncides from plants, which are antimicrobial, but 
volatile organic compounds. Natural environments, particularly around moving water or after a thunderstorm, also expose us to negative air ions, which are oxygen atoms charged with an extra electron. Have you ever wondered how, why do you feel a taste and smell in the air when you are at the beach or maybe near a waterfall or even after a storm? Well, it is the effects of your body being exposed to those negative air ions. They have benefits. The presence of ne negative air ions is credited for increasing phys uh, physical health, psychological health, productivity, and overall well-being. Natural environments also expose us to microorganisms diversity, which that thing, that exposure is extremely beneficial for our skin and gut microbiome. These compounds have positive effects on human health, like reducing blood pressure, shifting our autonomic activity, you know, to the rest and digest state, and boosting immune functions, among others. I love this concept of the negative ion benefits. Yeah. I, I feel them. I, I know exactly what you are talking about. Science is demonstrating that green and natural environments are a fundamental pathway to human health. It has also been found that the less green a person's surrounding, the higher the risk of morbidity and mortality. This is not only proving that human contact with the green spaces is a major health driver, but that greening which is the process of transforming living environments, spaces, and lifestyles into a more environmentally friendly version could be a powerful, inexpensive public health intervention. With public intervention, we can set a new health and nature agenda for the world. This intervention would need everyone's involvement from the conservation community and the human and animal health sectors to researchers, governments, businesses, non-government organizations, and communities. Our highest goal should be to incorporate the body of evidence on the connection between nature and human health and well-being into policy and practice everywhere. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is a need to strengthen in a worldwide, national, regional, and local uh, point of view policies to promote nature's role in health and well-being. Policies like these will address universal the, the universal right uh, for health the, the the right to nature for health which encompasses human rights and the rights of nature we talked about last week we also need to as begonia was explaining during her interview use innovative mechanisms and experiences like science parks and schools um, to connect one children and young people to green and natural environments to stimulate two their love of nature, and three, spark their interest in preventing healthcare, which can be easily provided by nature. Park management should shift its focus uh, from keeping them in pristine conditions to connecting people to nature, to parks. It has been recognized that parks need to improve their relevance and political support through more sophisticated communication about their true value. More importantly, we need to create bridges between education, research programs, uh, design, and funding opportunities. And this transformation can be achieved if we raise our voices. We can use the emerging information technology that is currently assisting human health research in several ways. 
In the first segment, we talk about the Mappiness app through which researchers were able to measure and assess the happiness level of people regarding their surroundings. But we can use social media platforms too. Used consciously, such technologies may increase rather than replace the traditional ways of hearing people's point of view. We can develop better health and sustainability policies by listening to people and community voices, understanding their perspectives on health and well-being, and inviting their participation in designing their own roadmap to achieve a healthier lifestyle. And Lorenzo, what you're saying is really important. It is critical to understand the relationship between natural resources and well-being for any effective decision-making process. And this is making me, uh, making me think about Alexa. Um, she shared with us last week that there has been an incredible social and environmental damage as the result of the displacement of indigenous people from their lands. The creation of protected areas has left uh, many communities with unclear land rights, changing the way people have lived for centuries and causing a painful loss of spiritual connection to the land. These communities have lost control of their traditional practices and what is happening in, in their territories. Interestingly, this loss of traditional practices is leading to what it's starting to be known as traditional diseases. Policymakers have to listen to these voices too, because they are rich in wisdom and experience. Definitely, definitely, Jimena. There's a need to keep building partnerships between citizens and their governments that translate into positive changes for us and the planet. They need to align human health and security with the health and integrity of the planet has never been so important. This rounds up what is starting to be known as eco-health, this is also an emerging field of study that researches how changes in the Earth's ecosystem affect human health, but in a broader way as it relates changes in biological, physical, social, and economic environments to human health. Yeah, and luckily we're starting to hear more and more about therapies that involve nature in some way. There is a new one, relatively new one, called forest baths that emerged in Japan in the 1980s as a, a physiological and psychological exercise called Shinrin-yoku, forest bathing or taking in the forest atmosphere. The purpose was to treat burnout and inspire people to reconnect with and protect the country's forests. Forest bathing is not just for the wilderness levels, uh, lovers, but the practice can be as simple as walking in any natural environment and consciously connecting with what's around you. Lorenzo, before we run out of time, just remember during the first segment, you said you wanted to share with us how water helps you to be more creative. I'd love to hear how you feel when you are in contact with water. water. <laughs> yes, but before talking about the positive effects that water has on me, Let's talk a little bit about the immune function in our bodies and how it is improved by spending time close to nature. Walks in nature, use of nature, and positive active ingredients like the phytoncytes that you mentioned produced by vegetation, as well as natural sights and sounds that surround you in a forest, a prairie, or the ocean by the beach, improve physiological and psychological states. That's a fact. and everybody can feel that but let, let me go back to your original questions um, <laughs> and the the one that about the feeling good in water yeah. let me confess to you that 
I have developed a routine where at the end of the day, when I have collected a good portfolio of daily professional challenges, a nice way of saying problems, that seem to have no easy answer, I apply a remedy that works more often than not. I go for a swim, and after a while, while floating weightless, in a magical way, solutions appear literally from the blue. Maybe I should move to the coast. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, that happens too when you're taking a shower. Some people take a shower and they are like more lucid and they, they can solve their problems. So water is still a mystery to science. We talk about that in our episode. So let me share with you how nature was a healing tool for me. Uh, when I was around 11 years old, we had a, a house in Cuernavaca, Morelos, and it was very interesting. It was an ex-hacienda that used to be a sugarcane mill since the 17th century. So on Saturdays, we planned dinner around a beautiful experience that took place every evening. We called it El Show de las Golondrinas. There were thousands of swallows performing a choreography in perfect synchrony. They moved like clouds uh, and they prepared for the night. So these birds had their nests built inside the, the sugar mill all chimney and the flock moved in flawless coordination group by group and they did a last performance a dance in circles to dive into the chimney manhole so the show would last about an hour and then it would end with impeccable matching of the sunset what i remember is i used to lay down next to my mom feeling you know expanded and grateful i realized i was in love with nature and the beauty of this world and i felt complete at peace and recharged Thank you. Beautiful story, Jimena. I love it. Thank you for sharing it. So we're approaching the end of this episode. So let's do a quick recap of five facts we have reviewed. One, in the past three decades, large groups of people moved out from rural natural areas and distanced them from sources of food, water, energy, and material goods. Nowadays, humans have become sedentary and urban and it is the food and goods that migrates to us, not the other way around. Two, some of the consequences of our disconnection from nature, like overweight, obesity, stress, and anger, can be overcome by spending more time in natural settings, of course, doing exercise. Mm -hmm. Three, spending less time with our electronic devices and more time outdoors can increase our problem-solving skills <clears throat> and improve our creative capabilities. Four, we can develop better health and sustainability policies by listening to people and community voices. And five, our goal should be to incorporate the connection between nature and human health into policy and practice. Yeah, very quickly. What are the things you can do? Take a chance and tweak your environment. A small changes can improve your mental and emotional state. Two, take advantage of windows, uh, window views and even images of nature. Three, try to be around water in its natural state to benefit from negative air ions. Four, raise your voice. You have the right to be listened. And five, remember you have a choice. How would you like to see yourself in the future? You can strive for a better world. Absolutely. Well, we're getting close to the end of our program. Uh, we are looking forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Jimena. Thank you, Begonia. Uh, nothing better then take a breath, put on your shoes and find or your fins and mask here by the ocean and reconnect with nature and with each other. 
and thank you for tuning in and joining us in the casual conversations about health and nature and healthy planet, healthy you. Nos vemos la próxima semana. We Hasta hope you join us. Next week. Hasta la próxima. Have a great week. Stay tuned. Stay close to nature. And see you later, alligator. Take care, polar bear. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. We hope you've learned something new today that can help you in your life and how to make this a better planet. Until next time, have a healthy and regenerative week.